0: In front of you is a wooden box. It's about two feet tall, maybe a foot wide and a foot deep. It's painted black and the sides, top and bottom are all nailed tightly together. The thing is solid. You are not breaking into this box. On the top of the box is a small hole, maybe an inch in diameter. Stuck in the hole is a big white funnel. There's another hole in the bottom of the box, also about an inch in diameter. No funnel in that one. That's about it. It's a sturdy box with a funnel in the top and a hole in the bottom. You pick it up and shake it a little bit, but you can't really feel anything. Next to the box is a gallon of water. You pour some of it into the funnel a good amount, maybe two cups, and it disappears into the box. A minute or two later, you pour some more water into the top of the funnel. Not nearly as much as you poured the first time, but still maybe a quarter of a cup. Suddenly, water starts gushing out of the hole in the bottom of the box. Way more water than you just poured in. It's Thanksgiving weekend. A weird, weird Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe you're listening to this while you're driving to see some close family. Maybe you're skipping the whole family thing altogether this year and you're on a jog or a hike or relaxing on the couch. Whatever you're doing, I've got one question for you. What's in the box? This is the idea to start a podcast brought to you by TackleBox. Black Friday is coming up, or you already missed it, depending on when you listen to this. Maybe you already bought a bunch of stuff you don't need, or maybe you're about to buy a bunch of stuff you don't need. Either way, what I'd recommend for the rest of the year and for 2021 is to invest in yourself. There are a bunch of ways to do that. Buy a set of books on a topic you'd like to learn about, get Duolingo and commit to 30 minutes a day to learn Italian, get Headspace and meditate for 20 minutes a day. I don't have a discount code for you to any of those as they don't sponsor the podcast yet but I actually really like both of them. My dad has like a 367-day streak going on Duolingo learning Italian. Maybe you can see if you can beat him. Make incremental changes every day that'll add up. And if you've got a startup idea, you know to head to gettacklebox.com to apply for our cohort starting in January. And if you're more interested in learning the process and you just want to kind of figure out how to start a startup, head to gettacklebox.com backslash self-serve. We'll teach you how to start that startup. Anyway, enjoy the turkey. Invest in yourself. You deserve it. Back to it. Over the weekend, I drove down the California coast to visit my future in-laws. If you're a friend listening to this and didn't know I'm living on the California coast or that I had future in-laws, I'm sorry and we've got some catching up to do. Anyway, my fiancé's sister is a science teacher and she was building the boxes I just described for the high school class she teaches. Her students will walk in the first day of the semester and these boxes will be scattered throughout the classroom. She'll ask the students to figure out what's in the box. Then she'll let them go for the full period. And the next couple of periods after that, nothing is off limits besides damaging the box. Their goal is to figure out what's inside. After those few days, they'll get in front of the class and present what they think is in the box. Then, they'll all wait for her to reveal if they were right or wrong. But she won't. She never tells them what's in the box ever. This drives the students crazy. In the past, a student has been caught trying to break into the classroom at night just to get their hands on a box so they can crack it open and see what's inside. The point, as you might have guessed, is that science is about the process, about experimentation. It's not about getting the right answer because there's never going to be a right answer. There's no one behind the curtain. There's no back of the book. If you need that reveal, you aren't prepared for what life as a scientist is actually like. During our visit, the group talked a bit about potential vaccines, with someone wondering which of them was the quote, right choice. My future sister-in-law smiled. There are no answers. Humans struggle with this. Our brains are wired to close loops. Open loops breed stress. Particularly open loops in settings like school. School's supposed to give you answers. It throws us off when it doesn't. Even now, you're struggling to figure out what's in that damn box. I can feel it through the podcast. Is it sand? Is it a funnily whirlpool thing? Some sort of seesaw with cups on it? Just straight up magic? I know it's in the box and I'm not going to tell you because that's not what it's about. We're talking about science in the black box today because entrepreneurship looks way more like science than anything else, which I think people think they know or at least pay lip service to. But when I speak with entrepreneurs, the question I get asked the most by far is what I've come to call the Whitney Houston question because they always start the same way. How will I know? How will I know if this idea is good? How will I know if I've reached product market fit? How will I know if I should start with one customer or another? How will I know if my Facebook ad is working? How will I know if I should quit my job to pursue this idea? By the way, How Will I Know by Whitney is her best song ever and I am not accepting counter arguments. It's also an unreal video. It's in the show notes, treat yourself. Lots of people try to answer these questions definitively. Those people are full of shit. They're the people who say things like, oh, y'all know when you have product market fit, then nod knowingly. That's like walking into a grocery store and asking someone where the frozen peas are, and that person's smiling at you and saying, when you get there, you'll get there. Real profound. But in their defense, you are asking the wrong questions. How will I know makes no sense in science and it makes no sense in entrepreneurship. You won't, Ever. Because the answer will evolve as you get better ways to test and gain insight into the thing you're studying or the problem you're trying to solve. And in entrepreneurship, the answers are never stable. Everything's always in motion. It's like the old quote from Heraclitus, a Greek philosopher from 554 BC, whose name I'm pretty sure I'm butchering, which goes, no man ever steps in the same river twice for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. The first step is acceptance. You won't ever know what's in the box and you won't ever know if you're starting with the right customer. Maybe this is a weight off your back. Maybe it's stressful. More than the hours of the rejection or the lifestyle sacrifices, I do think it's the uncertainty that wears most on entrepreneurs. I think it wears most on the ones that don't accept that they'll never know the answers. So what now? We're gonna talk about how to do a science experiment with a startup idea, how to approach trying to figure out what's inside the box, the process that is entrepreneurship. And to help us with that experiment, we're gonna need to talk a little bit about non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) Startup ideas all begin with an assumption made by a founder. Today, we'll borrow an assumption that's been really popular in Tacklebox applications and emails of late. Non-alcoholic beverages, particularly non-alcoholic beer. People think the space is about to explode. And this assumption is based on solid evidence. A peak at market growth for non-alcoholic beer is eye-opening. It was a $13.5 billion market globally in 2016, 14 billion in 2017, 15.5 in 2018, 16.8 in 2019, 18 billion in 2020, and is projected to hit 25 billion in 2024. In the Netherlands, for example, non alcoholic beer accounts for 5% of the country's entire beer market. For context, the US beer market's around 120 billion. If non alcoholic beer got to 5% here, it'd be roughly a $6 billion business in the US alone. Venture scale. Founders are treating it that way. Specifically, the focus of most pitches we're getting is on craft non-alcoholic beer. Craft beer sales are greatly outpacing a fairly anemic overall beer market in the U.S. It's easy to see how a few people in a Zoom call can convince themselves this market needs a new entrant. And again, it's a solid thought process. You cannot create market momentum, and if you're in a market with momentum, it's going to erase all sorts of tactical mistakes, whereas a stagnant or declining market is going to amplify them. So let's get into it. Let's take a company that pitched us lately without giving too many specifics, though the founder did okay us talking about them on their show. The founder is a competitive triathlete, surfer, rock climber, and all the other things you'd imagine that type of person does. We'll call their startup the Tri Brewing Company for the podcast's sake. He wants to make non-alcoholic craft beer that tastes good. Really, he's solving the problem for himself. After pushing a bit, his story became clear. The people he does all these outdoor activities with love beer, and it's been a part of their post-workout ritual for years, but they're getting older. And they're overachievers. While they like the feeling of finishing tough workouts with a beer or two, and they love the ritual, they don't want that buzz anymore. They have demanding careers, and now they've got families. They've got yard work to do. They've got to keep it moving. He said some of them had started opting for one beer instead of two or proposing coffee instead. He said he'd talked to his friends about non-alcoholic beer and they all said that, that would be cool. But then he threw us an old Whitney question. I know they say they'll drink it, but how will I know? Thought you'd never ask my overachieving friend. The first tests that people perform on the black box are all the same. The obvious ones. You pick it up and you shake it. You feel the weight. You pour some water in and you see what happens that's the entrepreneurship equivalent of looking at the stats in the non-alcoholic beer sector and deciding, yep, that's a good thing to pursue. It's absolute table stakes and it's not going to get you anywhere. The good scientists start to distance themselves with the next round of tests, the not-so-obvious ones, the ones that'll give insight other students wouldn't be clever enough to get. This perspective is critical for entrepreneurs. The answer to those important core questions are not binary. You won't get them or not, they're relative. Your job is to get unique insight into the questions relative to other entrepreneurs. You just need to do a better job of experimenting than they do. It's like my dad's old story about two people sitting in the Serengeti when a lion charges. One starts putting on their shoes while the other starts running and says, what are you doing? You're never going to outrun a lion. The first person responds, I don't have to outrun the lion. I've just got to outrun you. Back to the Tribe Brewing Company. His core question about whether people will drink a non-alcoholic beer instead of a regular beer after a workout is the core question. He needs to know the answer to that before he brews a single beer. His first step, as always, is customer interviews. Find potential customers and ask them a bunch of questions. Tell me about your post-workout routine. When's the last time you had a non-alcoholic beer? When's the last time you asked if a place served non-alcoholic beer and on and on. We've got an episode all about how to run these interviews. I'll link to it in the show notes. And your instincts are right, by the way. It's not just about them saying they'll choose the non-alcoholic beer in an interview. There's baggage here. There's peer pressure. We can pretend there isn't stigma, but there is. Non-alcoholic beer carries that stigma, and saying you'll choose it when your friends don't is much different than actually doing it. Don't worry, though. We'll get there. What you're looking for from these interviews is clarity into motivations and friction so you can understand the next questions you need to ask and the tests you need to run. After these initial interviews, our entrepreneur friend realized there was way too much baggage in a public setting. He wasn't going to get groups of athletes who were used to going to a brewery together after a workout to seek out a non-alcoholic alternative at those breweries. So he zoomed in on something else he heard, the post-workout non-alcoholic IPA at home. Our surfer founder learned from his interviews that lots of his athlete friends were passionate about craft beer and drank one nearly every night at home, particularly after workouts. His black box question changes a bit now. Can we get serious athletes to buy our non-alcoholic craft beer to store in their fridge and drink post-workouts? He had enough anecdotal evidence to think this would be true. And this is where it gets fun. Once you've got a specific question like this, you get to flex your creative scientist muscles to try to answer it. There are three components to these sorts of tests which you're gonna run. We call them intent tests. You're trying to prove customers have intent to do what you think they'll do. The components are channels, like Facebook or Instagram ads, messaging, what you say in those channels, and finally, a call to action, the carrot you dangle to get an email address or a pre-order. Remember, we're doing all of this pre-product. Our biking super founder hasn't yet made a single drop of non-alcoholic beer. He's just figuring out whether he should or not. So for the sake of inspiration, and maybe because this is a fun holiday podcast, we're going to go a little nuts. We're going to go through some tests that this founder could actually run. Things other people can't do or won't do so that we can get a deeper understanding around his customer. We'll start with a standard channel, Google AdWords. AdWords work incredibly well when they target an inflection point, a moment that changes behavior. Adwords are also something that people always pretend that they understand, but actually don't. One of the inflection points our founder saw was that his friends were gaining a bit of weight and losing a bit of muscle as they got older. So maybe they were Googling things like, does alcohol affect muscle growth? Or does alcohol affect muscle recovery? Buying advertising from Google when people search these terms places you at the top of the Google result. Google prices based on how much demand there is for each term, and these terms are far cheaper or have less people advertising than a more generic search like, is non-alcoholic beer healthier than alcoholic beer? Buying AdWords around specific questions your customers ask leading up to them considering buying something like you're going to sell is a great strategy. It's a great way to swim upstream and leapfrog your competitors in their advertising efforts. It's also a great way to test if people care before you build anything. Another AdWords tactic could be around even more specific inflection points. Lots of our win kiting founders' friends had gone on either Whole30 or Keto. So they Google questions all the time. Things like, is non-alcoholic beer Whole30 or Keto? Boom. That's your customer considering the decision you want to impact. That's a place you've got to be. The ad might say something like, yep our non-alcoholic beer is keto friendly and clicking on that ad would take you to a landing page that you built that says more about your keto friendly non-alcoholic IPA and has an email field to either pre-order or get on the waiting list. Either of these options could work and both are worth testing. And then there's your first test. Whenever someone comes through the funnel and gives you an email, reach out and talk to them. Figure out what they got excited about. Learn more about what they've tried in the past. Start learning more about what's in that box. The key is to not stop here. It's time to separate yourself. Way too many founders do one channel test and call it a day. Here's some rapid fire test ideas. Channels like Instagram and Facebook are going to be common. All the other people trying to figure out the non-alcoholic market are going to use them too. But your customer is going to be there. So you've got to figure out ways to stand out while being specific and focused in those channels. Here's some archetypes I like to lean on. First, the negative framework. This highlights what you aren't. Scream that you aren't a tasteless, bland alternative like O'Dool's, and they'll assume that you are. One of the most effective campaigns of all time leveraged a negative framework. Apple saying they weren't Microsoft in the 70s. Second, categorization theory. When customers first see something new, they try and dump it into an existing category in their minds. It eases our cognitive load. We don't want to learn a bunch of details about everything new we run into, so we assign all the characteristics of an existing category that we've got in our mind to that new product. For example, if I invite you to a webinar, you've got something specific in your mind. If it's a fireside chat, something else. A Zoom conference, something else. These could all contain the exact same content, but they'll all attract different people with different expectations based on that name. The name puts them in a category. Calling a beer non-alcoholic will do one thing. Calling it the kombucha of the IPA world will do another. Non-alcoholic feels like you had something great and then you took that great thing away. Instead, test out additive phrasing. Choose what you replace. Instead of replacing an IPA with a non-alcoholic IPA, position it as a sugar-free or more adult or heartier alternative to Gatorade. It's more than, not less than. Test out ingredients. You might test swapping alcohol for maybe CBD. And then it's an IPA with CBD instead of an IPA without alcohol. It's in that category. What's that do for you? All of these tests will give you further insight. Three, jobs to be done. We've talked a lot about jobs to be done, and there are a few things more important for an entrepreneur to really understand. I'll put resources in the show notes. But in short, jobs to be done can be simplified as the phrase, what is your customer hiring your product to do? There are a lot of reasons people hire a beer after a workout. In person, it's likely companionship. At home, it can be a treat, a transition into a different activity, recognition of hard work, a ritual. It might be that your customer loves trying different breweries and text each new one they try to their friend group. Our job is to get to the first principles of that moment. A first principles example I love is the Beyond Meat folks. They realized what people were truly hiring meat for, and a lot of it was the taste, the juice in that first bite, the look, the smell. None of those things had anything to do with the meat previously being an animal. They could replicate them all chemically. What's the job for someone having a post-workout IPA? Is alcohol critical? Your bet is that the feeling the post-workout beer creates has nothing to do with alcohol. And your job is to test out all sorts of permutations of messaging for that to see which one resonates. Four, secret messaging. What are some things your customers know about that others don't? This could be leaning hard on endurance athletes. Talk about their O2 levels or specifics for training for an Ironman. This, like all marketing, is meant to force your customers to make a yes or no decision. Yes, I know these specific words, or no, I don't. You'll need trust to get conversion, and early on, specificity is what builds trust. It'll give you the keys to their secret club. Get hyper-specific, and they'll assume you're one of them and assume you've got something that'll help them. Leverage social identity theory. I know I'm throwing these theories at you like Vin Diesel. That's a deep, fast, and furious reference. I actually caught some of Tokyo Drift the other night when I couldn't sleep, but hopefully they'll spur something. I can go on with another 50 tactics, and please email me if you want to get into them, but the key is to match up channels, messaging, and calls to action to learn more every day. The key to finding out what's in the box is perspective, to try and try and try, to give yourself context to make a decision the best you can, context nobody else has. And the best part of all these tests is that this is just entrepreneurship. This is what starting a company is. This will give you customers. This will tell you what to build. This will help you run more interviews to learn more channels you can market in. Forums for triathletes, surf newsletters, athlete cooking blogs, they are endless and you'll find them. This is the essentialist approach. Try way more than anyone else tries, then find what gives you the best results and quadruple down on it go wider than anyone, and then go deeper than anyone. There are definitely people who will hear this podcast and be like, yep, no thank you. Way too much work. I'd rather just build something and see who uses it. And maybe that'll work for those people. I've seen probably 10,000 startups the past 15 years, and it hasn't worked for any of them, but there's always a first. Because again, this is the process of entrepreneurship. It's all about figuring out what's in the black box while embracing the fact that you'll never know the approach is the goal, and that's that. One more thing. I do want to say thank you to everyone listening to this podcast. It's really a blast to make, and it's been fun and humbling to watch it grow. I know it's a bit lame to say thank you on Thanksgiving, but thank you. I am thankful for you. I hope you're all happy and safe, and I wish you the very best. See you on the other side.